The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In this episode of the Unfolded Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast. Have you ever had a dream that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want him to do you so much you could do anything? Hell yes, I've had one of those dreams, and let me tell you all about it. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, bless his heart. The name, Ken Williams. I just spent an hour in my gifted teacher's classroom. There were 13 students performing individual one-person shows. To my absolute shock, I saw several students who have a tendency to end up in my office for bullying, talking back, and fooling around. These kids are on wanted posters, baby. It warmed my heart to watch them in such a safe environment, respecting each other, encouraging each other, and receiving constructive criticism while giving constructive criticism of one another. It made me realize a couple of things. One, I gotta find more diamonds in the rough. Check that. We've got to find more diamonds in the rough. Two, we need multiple resources for identifying giftedness. Several of my students talk with flawed grammar, which, if not careful, can eliminate them from opportunities. And three, expectations and environment. Those boys, Sean, Rodrigo, and Quintavious, look like different kids in that environment. They were encouraged focused and respectful I need every classroom to feel this way all right baby let's unpack this one this journal entry takes me back to one of my favorite days and and favorite times that I had during my tenure at that school and that was like unearthing our diamonds or as I also called it we gotta press coal baby compressed coal turns into diamonds and so let me get my uh, public service announcement out of the way first my my views on you know gifted programs I'm in general not a big fan of those kind of labels and I'm not talking about your uh, 14 year old sitting in a uh, freshman year class at Morehouse College because they are crazy outlier gifted. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the typical process of gifted identification. I'm not a big fan for a few reasons that that will be revealed in my reflections and challenges to you. First thing I think about is the fact that I believe we all have gifts. I, I believe if we had if, if on a sheet of paper, uh, uh, down one side were all the characteristics of 
students identified with special needs. And then on the right side of the column, all the characteristics of students identified as gifted that every person on earth would have boxes checked on both sides. And so for the record, I've, every day I taught, I, I sought to treat every student like they were special needs and every student like they were gifted. Secondly, I don't know, I, it's probably my own childhood trauma. <laughs> I love my cousins. My cousin Lisa, who is seven days older than I am, which was something to tease me about when I was a kid, but now she wants to run from that. I just remember, man, in first grade, she got to leave the classroom uh, and, and go work in the second grade phonics book, book B, Steck Vaughn phonics book, blue plaid cover. I was still working in book A. And listen, it was probably because she was my cousin, we were tight, and I wanted to be with her. Shoot, I wanted to work in book B too, but they wouldn't let me. I guess my SRA scores weren't high enough. Well, that always bothered me because, you know, as I look out at how that has affected me as an adult, I just, I just think about how much, how many gifts get uncovered when we give people, students and adults, a reputation to uphold. You know, I, I can, I can make this podcast episode an hour talking about all the opportunities visionary people in my life have given me because they saw more in me than I saw in myself and because they were influences in my life I did everything I could to step up and meet and exceed that challenge and I think there's something to be said for that that that's one of my hang-ups about it my other hang-up is look uh, we my wife used to tear my thigh up at awards assembly, especially in middle school for our kids, you know, we'd be sitting in the audience and our, you know, daughter was being awarded, you know, the gifted, gifted English, and she'd come out and get her award, and that was great, then I'd start mumbling under my breath, like, where, where are the awards for the ungifted kids, like, these are the gifted ones, what about the ungifted ones, are there awards, are there awards given on uh, paper bags, crumpled up, and then smoothed out? written in black crayons. What about the ungifted kids? Because I maintain that if you take a small segment of your students and label them as gifted, then you are in essence calling the rest of the kids ungifted. And while there are no official labels that say ungifted, you'd be a fool to think kids didn't think that way. Am I right? That's right. That's right, baby. You know I'm right. Listen, try it with adults. Go to your next staff meeting, a team meeting, and separate uh, the gifted teachers from the rest of them and, and see what it does for morale, for participation, for effort. Now, that said, I don't want to sit up here uh, sanctimonious and on any kind of high horse. I've explained before, and I'll tell you again, I'm not a bureaucrat. I'm, I'm not going to be the guy to go to the legislature and try to change all this around. I'm going to support the people who do that. So, that said... Since this is the situation we're in, in my mind, look, if we're going to have this gifted label, then we're going to pop some more. We got, we got to go mine for more kids. If we're going we're gonna to have this in place, then we're going to find some. So I was all about finding diamonds in a rough, pressing coal, looking for those kids. And, and you fast forward now, we're in 2021 with all these issues of bias and social justice. This is a real issue. You know, our, our narrow idea of what giftedness is. And I mentioned in my 
my journal entry that a lot of my students speak with flawed grammar, you know, which can eliminate them from opportunities. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have uh, gifted protocols that include Ebonics, right? I want my kids to be able to code switch. That's what I do. That's what a lot of my family does. Like, you know, at the barbecue on a Saturday with a beer in your hand and nothing but family around, you know, there are times where you talk differently. And then there are times where you're recording a podcast where you need to speak the King's English. I want to arm my kids with that kind of power. But I do believe that, you know, their backgrounds and environment often eliminate them from these opportunities. I'm telling you, when I tell you I was shocked to walk in there and see those boys, I, I legitimately was shocked and my mind went right to like, where are, how many more are they? Are there? Where are the others? Right? If, if we got these three and they're, and they're showing it, right? They're in there showing their ass. I mean, they, they were in there knocking it out of the park. Then I want to find some more. So <laughs> I'm going to give them a plug to my gifted teacher at the time. I usually don't drop names in, in this broadcast, but uh, Georgette Keith. And I've not been in touch with her for years, but she was strong, a strong teacher and strong-willed. And I appreciate her because we got behind closed doors and really had some intense talks about how to mine for more diamonds. And, you know, she's not wearing it in school anymore, so this won't get her in trouble. It was nothing for me to walk past her classroom with, uh, I got kids in tow, and I'm just shoving kids in her classroom. <laughs> she's looking at me like I'm crazy, like, who are these kids? And, they're not on the list, and I'm just like, go, go over there and sit down and soak up some of this stuff. And that's a lot of how we found. She went looking, she encouraged teachers to look, and she and I came to this agreement. She put up with me giving kids a reputation to a pole. I just went and grabbed kids and just shoved them in that classroom because there was something about that environment, man, that those kids flourished. I mean, I wrote this entry 16 years ago. They were encouraged, focused, respectful. And again, these were kids who were legitimately on school wanted posters, you know, at my site. I'm gonna give you one last anecdote before I kind of wrap up with a couple of challenges. I think back to our son, Adam, who is now 22, gainfully employed, doing his thing, stacking his cash, no debt, love it. When he was in, I guess it was third or fourth grade. You know, he got screened for, you know, the, the gifted class, and I guess he he didn't he didn't meet all the qualifications. Now this kid reads above grade level, math above grade level, can carry on conversations with peers and adults alike. He had no uh, significant learning issues at all. You know, um, and this is the one time I have to admit that I was a pain in the ass educator parent I was because I fought to get him in to the gifted class I was very familiar with the school my wife works at that school so I, I knew the ins and outs of it and I fought for it because it apparently whatever uh, assessment he took he just missed the cut now I'm gonna tell you straight up and down today and this is the way I thought back then I could care less about the label. I wasn't gonna post on the Facebook. I wasn't ready to brag to friends that my son is in the gifted class. I could give a damn about the label. You know what I wanted out of that? You know why I fought so hard while I was a pain in the ass and eventually got him in there? 
one reason. They did the coolest stuff in that classroom. They did the coolest stuff. And they did stuff, and listen, I've worked with hundreds of schools. I've observed hundreds of uh, gifted classes. I've not seen one class engaging in any activities that every kid shouldn't have access to. And that was the reason I fought for it. Because they were doing cool stuff, aligned with learning, moving it forward, exercising those brains, giving them a reputation to uphold, making them not only feel brilliant, but demonstrate their brilliance. I wanted that for him. And that was it. And so if every classroom operated that way, one, we probably wouldn't have a separate quote unquote gifted education. And two, I wouldn't have fought as hard for it. I know I would have. And it's not to say that he was in, a, you know, a, a subpar classroom. He wasn't. It's just that those gifted programs had them doing stuff above and beyond. It's just, and again, I've not seen anything in a gifted program that every kid shouldn't have access to, especially at the elementary level. And so as a principal, I, I, I really wanted to, to support my teachers in being able to create those kinds of environments, even with multiple learning levels, multiple performance levels in the classroom. The bottom line is this, as adults, I ask all the time, would you rather be challenged with support or have things slowed down for you? Challenged with support. And, and almost to a person, adults choose challenged with support. So we take that same mindset back to the classroom and I, I, I heard an award-winning principal beat this point into the ground and she led a school in an area full of crisis, full of poverty, full of adversity. And her statement was this, every teacher we teach to the highest level of the standard and scaffold as appropriate. Teach to the highest level of the standard and scaffold as appropriate, not down the middle, not focusing all our attention on the quote unquote low kids. Teach to the highest level of the standard. There is nothing, there is nothing like giving a person a reputation to uphold and looking at them, knowing, telling them, you can do this. And you're telling them that because you know you've got the goods and the people with whom you work have the goods with you. You're gonna make that happen. There is nothing like that. There's nothing that makes a kid, a person, levitate more, hold their head up higher, stick their chest out further than that. And I believe that's what happens in a lot of gifted classrooms where we speak it into kids. But we do it with this pretense that they've got these, uh, you know, predetermined, uh, measurable indicators, and we should be looking for that in every student. Now, is there a point where, where it's some students become outliers? Of course. But I, I can tell you, as a facilitator of adult learning, professional learning, that's what adults want. That's what they want. They want to be taught at the highest level of the standard and scaffold as appropriate. No one wants anything dumbed down. No one wants to feel like stuff is being dumbed down for them. They want to be challenged and they want a way to get answers, to fill in gaps, 
the mortar for their bricks, right? Unscrambling confusion. And that's what kids want. And so I, I, my challenge for you is asking you the question in every classroom, are we teaching to the highest level of the standard and scaffolding is appropriate? Are we treating every student like they're gifted? Are we running classrooms like they're gifted? I did, as, did that as a teacher as well. I read a great article by Carol Ann Tomlinson where she wondered if she could take the gifted curriculum in her district and, and deliver it to quote unquote regular students. And what did they do in the end? I'm paraphrasing, but they, they, they rose to the occasion and their data was better over last year's data. And I took that and ran with it. I lied to my kids every year. I was like, I selected you hand-picked you. This is a class full of gifted kids. Your giftedness is different. It comes out in different ways. It's manifested differently. And I could care less if they believe me or not. That's how I treated them. That's how I treated them. And I work to treat the adults the same way. So here's my challenge for you. I'm telling you, these kids who I saw in that classroom weren't special in and I say that to say you got the same kids at your school the same kids that are driving you crazy whose parents you have on speed dial who can't stay at an ISS room I'm telling you I'm watching these kids flourish flourish because there was a teacher in there speaking it into them nothing magical nothing mystical but they were selected and told they had aspects of giftedness and they rose to that occasion. And all it made me think about is if we had every classroom environment set up that way, where kids felt encouraged, focused, and respectful, and someone saw their giftedness and spoke it into them, what was possible? What was possible? These three kids, they look like different boys in there. And these kids were busters, I'm, try I'm trying to tell you. And so I challenge you, I challenge you to work to create that kind of environment at your school. Relationships are important, yes. Intangibles are important, yes. But when you take it to the academics, which is what we're all about, learning is a through line of our work. When you take it to things that actually move the needle, you can create magic at your school. I would love to hear some of your stories, some of your anecdotes. I've been begging people to help me by uh, sharing a couple of stories with me. You can do that. It's, it's, the way to do that is included in the notes below. You can email me or you can vox me. And I would love to hear about your journey down this path. Let's create the environment, right, on a regular basis that challenge kids, encourage them, make them feel special while we pull from them what it is that makes them special. It's not enough to just tell kids they're awesome. They've got to engage in the kind of work where it's reinforced and that's what was happening in that classroom, right? You don't build self-esteem by just blowing sunshine off a kid's back. We got way too much of that going on right now. You build self-esteem by telling a kid he or she is awesome and then engaging them in the kind of work where they have to demonstrate that, which will reinforce it to their own brain and change their identity. That's how this thing works. That's what I saw that day. That's what I saw throughout my matriculation at that school because she and I had this wonderful agreement that we were gonna 
find those diamonds in the rough. We were gonna press that coal into diamonds. And we made a lot of that happen. I challenge you to do the same. If you got that going on already, let me know. Hey, I really want you to be part of this show. If you've got stories you want to share, questions you want asked, hey, if you need me to protect the names of the innocent and not so innocent, I can do that, baby. Send your listener letters in to blesshisheartken at gmail.com or you can vox me. The information is just below in the podcast notes. You can use Voxer or send me an email so I can read your letters and share your messages on the next episode. On the next episode of the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, we're coming up on Thanksgiving break. I'm going to share a letter I share with my staff. And what's a break with our little drama leading up to it? I'm going to sum it up this way. Uh, I'm glad you decided to quit because I was about to fire you. You have disgraced yourself and you must be punished. Thank you again for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, share with others. And remember, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in your life, when you wake up on the right side of dirt, you playing with house money, baby. You playing with house money. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.